Inquirers, and welcome to Inquiries of Our Reality. Now, I've talked about a lot of high strangest areas on this show, and somehow I've missed one of the biggest ones, the Bridgewater Triangle. So I figured it's about time to break the seal, so to speak. And who better to come on and talk about it than someone who regularly explores the area? And not to give too much away, but let's just say Puckwudgies. But before we can get into this awesome interview today, Got to run through the front of house stuff, and uh, I'm going to try to reformat this a little bit to make it a little bit easier for all of you guys listening ears out there. Uh, beforehand, though, got to throw a couple updates going on for some new things going on in the future. Uh, number one, of course, is that I will be vending at Squankapalooza, which will be in Central Park, downtown Johnstown in Pennsylvania. So uh, if anybody is interested in coming and checking that out, I uh, will be dropping some more info as we get a little bit closer to the date. But for the time being, until we get a little bit closer, of course, I'm going to uh, start including the link for the main website in the show description. Uh, it is a free event. So if anybody's willing to make the trip to come and hang out, it's uh, totally worth it for even that aspect of it. And uh, if anybody is coming out and planning to come and see me, uh, let me know open up a line of communication through Instagram, something like that. Uh, be cool to actually get to know you guys a little bit before you guys actually come out there. And I'd love to be able to actually recognize you guys by your face. And then I can point you out and be like, Hey, I know that guy. And, uh, it'll be a little bit more exciting for you guys. It'll be a little bit more exciting for me. So, uh, yeah, let me know if you are coming. And another update, uh, Open Minds Media is now on TikTok and YouTube. Uh, I know that I needed to get a little bit more into the video content side um, in order to kind of steer some more people over to the show, of course. Um, the full episodes will still be on the regular feed. Uh, the Patreon is still going to be set up the same way with the full video content of all the episodes. Uh, but as far as YouTube and TikTok goes, uh, I'm going to be taking some like maybe 10-minute clips of... Uh, points of interest from the episodes and that more than likely will be what gets posted onto YouTube. Uh, start taking some more short clips of some really cool conversation parts, uh, put that up on uh, TikTok and stuff, uh, might expand into some more content on that avenue. Uh, I am trying to work on some more uh, film type things, uh, not so much like documentaries, but probably like short form little videos about weird things here and there. Uh, some other stuff I might do is some lives through, uh, the YouTube, uh, some hangouts, uh, yeah, just trying to get around to a lot more of the video content. Uh, if there's anything that you guys want to see, uh, please throw me some suggestions because, uh, I'd love to know what you guys want to see as far as video content goes. Cause I'm just trying to put out what I got. Um, 
But let me know what you guys want to see as far as uh, video content goes. And I will be more than happy to make accommodations and do some cool stuff. But uh, like I usually say, the only way that this show is going to grow is with some of your guys' help. So uh, let me know what you guys want to see on the other side because I'm doing it from the production side. Uh, you guys are listening from the listener side. So you guys got to let me know here and there what the uh, listeners are trying to see out there. So, And uh, of course, if you guys haven't already and you guys don't mind doing it, uh, drop a review or a rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, of course, if you guys do it on iTunes, I'll give you guys a shout out on the show and read your review on the show. Um, you guys can also share episodes that you guys really enjoy through word of mouth with a friend. Uh, that's another awesome way to help the show grow. If you guys aren't already, don't forget to follow the show across social media. That includes Instagram, Facebook, uh, Telegram, Discord. Uh, got some awesome groups going on over there with some awesome people. Continuously growing, always being restructured. So pop in, have some awesome conversations with some awesome people. And uh, if you have want to have an awesome conversation with me and you're an author, a researcher, an experiencer, a contactee, a cryptozoologist, any of that, experiencer, uh, open-minded individual, I want to sit down. I want to have a conversation with you. So don't hesitate to shoot me a message. Uh, let's set up a date. Let's get you on the show. If you guys are interested in doing that or you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, uh, there's a couple different ways to do so. Instagram is the social media that I'm, of course, the most active on. So that'd probably be the best means of getting a hold of me as far as social media goes. You guys can also email me at inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com. Or you guys can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email, of course. Uh, more often than not, it seems like a lot of stuff goes to spam or junk. Uh, I do respond to every single message, so make sure you check your spam and junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed as far as me replying, uh, because I'd love to sit down. I'd love to have a conversation with you guys. Um, if you guys can't get enough of the content I do, always recommend that you guys go and check out Bizarre Encounters, and just like the name, you're going to get a lot of awesome, weird, bizarre encounters. And over there, I got my two awesome co-hosts, Orin and Jenny, so it's always a lot of fun over there. We get into a lot of uh, sidetracked banter, but hey, man, that's part of the fun of the show, of course. And if you guys want to follow everything that I do, you guys can always follow Open Minds Media across social media, and there you'll get updates for this show, Bizarre Encounters, and anything that I'm doing, of course, in the future. And if you guys want to support this show directly, there's a couple different ways to do so. Number one, of course, is through Patreon. Uh, always trying to build that up. Uh, there's some awesome tiers over there, all of them involving different perks, of course. Uh, some of those perks include ad-free episodes, uh, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes if you're not able to actually make it to the lives of the episodes, which is the raw video format of the episodes. There's exclusive merch store discounts. Uh, there's going to be some exclusive hangouts. Uh, a lot of cool stuff going on over there. And if you guys have any suggestions for more stuff that you'd like to see as far as the Patreon goes, also shoot me a message. Let me know because I'd love to incorporate that in. Uh, if you guys want to donate to the show directly, you guys can donate through Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, uh, Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. Um, your guys' support is more appreciated than I can ever express, and that's the only way that I will hopefully eventually be able to do this completely full-time, uh, be able to knock out some more awesome content for you guys, some even deeper dives, uh, possibly some books, more video content in the future, but it's building up, and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is with you guys, so any love and support you guys want to show, it's more appreciated than you guys will ever know. And number three for supporting the show, you guys can go and check out the Open Minds Media merch store. There you'll find merchandise for this show and Bizarre Encounters and any other things I happen to be doing in the future. Uh, I am incorporating some new designs over there, uh, so I'm sure you guys will end up seeing it on the Instagram and on the Facebook before it actually drops onto the store, but uh, but keep tabs over there, of course, and know when that awesome new merchandise is going to drop. I am in the process of working on it currently. Uh, there will be two new designs, one for each show. Uh, so yeah, I think they're pretty cool. I think you guys are really going to like them, and it's just a matter of time before they drop. 
And uh, while you guys are checking out some awesome merchandise, don't forget to go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe's always killing it over there with his awesome designs. And anybody, of course, that follows the Instagram always sees me posting his awesome designs. So definitely something that is worth having in your wardrobe. And if you guys are into weird, high strangeness, cryptid stuff, I guarantee you'll go over there and you'll find something that you're going to love. And uh, of course, everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, paranormal investigator and explorer, Phil from Exploring with Phil. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to talk about the paranormal and Bridgewater Triangle and, you know, whatever the, the conversation leads us. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on. It's going to be great. Absolute pleasure, man. And luckily that you dropped the Bridgewater Triangle thing, because I know that you do research out there, but I've never actually sat down and talked about it on this show. So this will be the first time we've talked about it on this show. So what not a better person to do it with when exploring with Phil? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, primarily that's I would say mm, most of my videos take place in the Bridgewater Triangle, minus a few here or there where I go on vacation and, you know, do some other things in other states. But yeah, primarily Bridgewater Triangle for sure. Well, I can already tell this is going to be a great one to get into. But before, of course, we get into the Bridgewater Triangle, uh, for anybody that isn't familiar with who you are, what you do, uh, why don't you kind of let them know a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, and what got you into what you do? Sure. Well, I, I basically, I'm, I guess I consider myself a YouTuber, I suppose. I make weekly YouTube videos every single Thursday, 7 p.m., um, whether that be exploring paranormal sometimes i do a little a little bit of magna fishing not a lot of magna fishing but i would say primarily explorer slash paranormal investigator like you said bridgewater triangle is probably probably the place i've been to the most it's kind of where i live i'm out of massachusetts so it's right in my backyard um you know it's really close by i would say i got into the paranormal probably as a child um i had an experience i guess my like the first experience i ever had um, I don't know if you want me to tell that real quick. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely tell sure. any uh, of your so, weird experiences you got. I'd love to yeah, hear them. So, so basically when I was a little kid, about four or five years old, um, I'm upstairs. It's like a, a two level apartment, first floor, second floor. The second floor is just my parents' bedroom. And then there's like, that's basically it. It's just like one room. And then downstairs, kitchen, all the other rooms. So I'm playing upstairs by myself. Uh, my mom's downstairs in the kitchen doing mom things, cleaning, doing whatever. And so I'm up there and all of a sudden I hear like what sounds like a glass break and then people talking like in the room I'm in, but I'm, you know, I'm looking around, there's no one there. And of course, as a kid, you know, you hear something like that and you don't see anyone, you know, it scares you. So, you know, I ran downstairs, I told my mom that you know, what I had heard and, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't see anyone. So we went up there. And, um, you know, she didn't see anything, you know, but that was kind of like my first paranormal experience, you know, um, just because, I mean, I, it was, it stuck with me, it stuck with me and I remember it very vividly. You know, I remember like, it was definitely a woman. I, I'm pretty sure it was like a woman and I don't remember what they were saying, but, you know, it was definitely like a conversation or something between two people or whatever. Uh, but that's kind of like what got me into the paranormal. Obviously, um, I'm a kid that loved like Ghostbusters as a kid. Of course. And like that. And, <laughs> On a different on a different podcast, I was kind of talking about this because, like, I'm at the age where, like, when I was a kid, the paranormal was very much like very fringe. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Go. Yeah. Ghostbusters was like popular, whatever. But like that was a movie. And a lot of people, I mean, even back then didn't really believe in ghosts. I mean, some people did. But I mean, if you would have said you saw a ghost, people would be like, yeah, all right, whatever. You know, they probably wouldn't believe you. I mean, it just was a time where like a lot of people didn't believe in Bigfoot or just a lot of varied paranormal things. People kind of like were be like, oh, that's kind of too weird. I mean, it was just a, a different time. Because nowadays there's like, I mean, you turn on the TV, there's like how many different paranormal shows people are into it. Even Sasquatch over the last like 10 years, Bigfoot, Sasquatch. I mean, you can't go into like any um, vacation town and not see like a Bigfoot, like, you know, bumper sticker or like, you know, T-shirt. Like I went to the Smoky Mountains and every single shop had one like a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch thing or like anything you can think of. So like. It just goes to show you how much has changed over the years since, uh, like, we were younger and growing up. You know, which I think is interesting. Um, it's kind of weird that there was like a dip, though, because there was like everybody yeah. believed in this stuff in the early 1900s, and then it all kind of dipped back down, and then it came back up again, and we're in like the incline yeah. of it where people are believing in almost right. more than they even did before now. Yeah, right. It's weird. It's it, you don't really people don't really think about that or talk about that kind of stuff, but like, it's definitely true, especially just from my lifetime. You know. Since I was a kid for, till now, it's huge difference. Dude, the past like um, year or two, it's like especially skyrocketed. Ever since, uh, you know, the whole pandemic and everything, like I think it's everybody actually had a chance to really sit down and look at stuff because that's where it seems like the giant spark of just everybody having this fascination and high strangeness and the paranormal all, all kind of happened all at once. Yeah, and I think the accessibility to documentaries and you know, podcasts, YouTube, especially YouTube videos and stuff like that. You know, people get, you know, I do, we all do. We get down like rabbit holes on either Instagram or whatever your um, social media of choice is. And you'll start watching videos you never even were intending to watch. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like, it just, that's just how it goes. And then people stumble upon like my stuff or your stuff. And you're talking about, you know, Bigfoot or whatever. Then like, oh, what, you know, they, they, they start getting into it. And then that's how, that's pretty much how it's been happening just kind of like on a grassroots level, I guess, you know, it's just weird. It's definitely weird. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know. I think it's, it's just a new know. form it's of entertainment because people are kind of tired of just like the overly made media entertainment where they want to just go yeah. back to essentially grassroots. Like you were saying, where it's just people telling stories, people talking about experiences, people having conversations. Like we're going back to the old form of entertainment again, too, that it's just like people just want to sit around and hear people talk now and see videos of people literally talking like half of the most popular videos are somebody pretty much just sitting there talking too. they're not doing anything crazy, yeah. spectacular, like. People just want to hear what people have to say nowadays. I think that's what it kind of what it comes right. down to. Yeah, interesting. And and anyone can have a voice too, you know. Mm -hmm. And another thing, I don't want to spend all night talking about this, but I will say it's such a weird time where, like, um, you look at YouTube or podcast people or whatever. There's even people that we have no idea who they are, but they have like a following. They have like millions of people that watch their things and stuff like that. Like, there are so many people nowadays that are like I would consider like micro famous. Whereas, like, back in the day when I was a kid or we were kids, you know, everyone knew who the famous people were. It was the people that were on TV. It was movie stars. It was, like, you know, musicians and stuff like that. Yeah, there's people still out there like that. But there are so many people that are, like, smaller famous. You know, like, I mean, obviously Mr. Beast is pretty big. But there are people that are, like, older than me who have no idea who Mr. Beast is. Mm -hmm. You know? But you ask anyone who's, like, really young and, like, they all know who Mr. Beast oh, is. Oh, hands down. You know, Even my daughter like, does. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, it's just weird. But I'm, I mean, I'm even saying like people even smaller than Mr. Beast, like we're talking people that get like 
I don't know. They have like 50,000, you know, subscribers or something like that. It's not a huge, you know, thing, but like they're, they are supporting themselves and they have a whole like community around them. And it's just strange nowadays how like there's like, the, like, like I said, micro famous instead of people, just a select few of people being really, really famous. There's like smaller groups of like smaller famous people. I don't know. Dude, kind of weird you mentioned that too. I was at a burger joint uh, a week or two ago and this guy, I saw somebody with a Sasquatch sticker. I know I told this story on my other show, but I'm going to tell it on this show because I haven't told it on this show. But I saw, I went to this burger place. I saw this guy had a Sasquatch bumper sticker on the back of his car and I was playing this game where I'm like, all right, which guy in this place is into Sasquatch? So I go in there and you know how like there's a certain look. I'm sitting with my girlfriend. I'm like, is this guy? I could tell it's this guy. He has the look. He just looks like an outdoorsy, like fishing kind of guy, you know? And everybody eventually kind of dips out of the restaurant. I'm sitting over here. They're sitting over there. And I'm kind of doing this like side eye thing, just trying to like figure out if that's the guy. And he's doing the side eye thing to me. And he doesn't end up actually ever saying anything to me. But I saw him pull out his phone and show his girlfriend Instagram. And I saw the Bizarre Encounters profile. So like the dude recognized <laughs> me somewhere. And I was just like, damn, that's awesome. Like my show is getting some reach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that is cool. That's so awesome. I love stuff like that. That's so cool. I just oh, wish yeah. the guy would have said something to me. Like, I would have been yeah, like, hey, man, right, what's yeah, up? Right. Well, well, maybe now he will. Now he will. Now that if he listens like weekly, he'll hear this and be like, oh, my God, that was me. He got a that shout out on both shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, I don't want to get too caught up in like, um, you know, famous stuff. But yeah, I just find that kind of stuff interesting. Oh, no, it's always fun to get into that kind of stuff. That's why I kind of leave the show as open conversation style, because it's like, you know, whatever you happen to get into, everybody wants to hear kind of like the build up into the deep conversation. It has to start somewhere. So, yeah, exactly. But exactly. I'm starting to build into some of the bigger stuff. Um, as far as like you're exploring in the uh, Bridgewater Triangle, uh, like when did that start? Uh, what was your first experience with that? And uh, let's kind of get into some of the history of it for people that may not be sure. familiar with what the Bridgewater Triangle is in the first place. Sure, absolutely. I guess we'll probably start there just to familiarize people with like what like the claims are. So uh, the Bridgewater Triangle, it's not an exact science. Um, obviously, if like it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, if you're outside the triangle, everything's normal. It's not like obviously it's not exact science. So like paranormal things do happen in and outside the triangle. But it does seem that there's a, a higher concentration of paranormal activity within the triangle and the surrounding areas. So it's basically a 200 square mile area triangulation area involving many towns um some of the paranormal claims are obviously ufos many different ufo sightings over the years um not only just ufos but also um balls of light um some people sometimes call them swamp lights basically just like balls or orbs of energy that glow by themselves um some people think or theorize i should say that they might be a Pukwudgie. Now, what a Pukwudgie is, is a, um, I wouldn't say mythical, because my uncle actually saw a Pukwudgie in real life. Um, so I don't think they're mythical. I think they're like a half-spiritual, half-real creature type thing. Basically, a, a two- to four-foot-tall troll-like creature um, that is like kind of mischievous and kind of can play tricks on people. And it's kind of weird. They're, they either lead you to your death or they might help you. You know, it's just kind of like a very hot and cold kind of thing which I think is very interesting. And there's not really a lot of nice stories about Pukwudgies. There's only one nice story that I could find about Pukwudgies. So most of them tend to be negative, but it's kind of like there's, it depends on what culture you're talking about as far as like if there's good ones or bad ones, but there, there's one of the, they're one of the creatures that are claimed to have been seen in the Birchwater Triangle. Not only that, obviously Bigfoot, Dogman, 
animals of unusual size. So like normal animals, but just a lot bigger than what they're supposed to be. Um, not only that, large um, dogs. Uh, well, see, there's like a pterodactyl-like creature um, that people have seen before. I mean, large snakes. When they were building the, I think it was the railroad or the power lines through the Huckamuck Swamp. Uh, when the, I can't remember which one. Not really important because either way, they were go- building it through the swamp and. At one point, the men that were working in the swamp kind of filling it in because they had to fill in land to make room for the, you know, either the railroad or the power lines. Either way, they had to make land because it's literally through the swamp. So they added land in. They all the, all these guys came running out because they they said they saw a snake uh, as big as a stovepipe, you know, which is a huge, huge, massive snake. So you know, we're talking like very unnatural animals that are. You know, in this area, so did they make yeah, reference to horns by chance on that snake? Because that kind of that might fit in with the Uktena lore as far as like the Cherokee view of like the, the whole the snake serpent I, I being. I have not, but I mean, I have to look that up because maybe you never know, especially in the Native American cultures up here. That might I have, I'll have to take a deeper dive and get back to you because it could be a possibility. If it is in the Cherokee, I mean, we have the our the natives up here. We have our. Um, Algonquin specific, more specifically, uh, Wampanoag, mm. which is a, like a tribe of Algonquin. Um, so that's kind of the tribe we have up here. Um, and Pukwudgies, going back to Pukwudgies a little bit, um, is in Native American cultures. Each Native American culture has Pukwudgies in their culture. They're just sometimes called different things. Like the Cherokee called them has probably calls them something different. You know what I mean? Because they all have different names, but they basically they describe the same creature. Which That's kind of what the Uktena is like. There's a bunch of different names right. for it. It's just Cherokee right. specifically is Uktena, and I, I view a lot of stuff from the Cherokee perspective because of um, me having Cherokee nationality. But other than that, um, I definitely dive into all of it. But yeah, I was going to mention the fact that Pukwudgies kind of fit into the typical Cher- uh, Native little people lore, if anybody is familiar with that, but they may not be familiar with the term Pukwudgie. Right. Yes. Basically, the same thing as far as the what they what they're like, all the characteristics, the traits, basically the same. Um, so not all, not only all those things, obviously ghosts, paranormal stuff, poltergeists, all that kind of stuff, and then also cult activity. Now, this primarily took the cult stuff primarily takes place or took place or has taken place, I should say, um, in the Freetown State Forest. Now, the Freetown State Forest is part of the part of the Bridgewater Triangle. And I would say it's probably the most negative part of the Bridgewater Triangle by far. It's so much so, even the Native American Wampanoags, when they talked about the land in that area, they said evil dwelt there, which I think is interesting. So, you know, we're talking about peoples that lived there for thousands of years saying that, hey, there's evil here. And then all these years later, there's all this cult activity in that same area. Not only that, we're talking human sacrifices animal sacrifices, mutilations, um, you know, pedophilia dens, like anything bad you can think of, like has taken place in this forest. You know, it's just like a very, like by far the worst part of the Bridgewater Triangle. It's, it's just weird. I've only been there a couple times. And the only, the one time I went there on the spirit box, when I asked what their name was, they said, I can't remember if it was a male voice or a female voice. I think it was a female voice, actually. It said, why do you care? And then another voice, male, uh, called me a bitch. <laughs> they said, um, you know, just like n- 
not one nice response. You know what I mean? Not, not clearly not nice the natives. Thing. If they're speaking English, more than likely probably no. settlers or something else past that or, or something, something else that has never walked this earth or something, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it, it, to be like really nice and to get a mean response like that back is usually not a good sign, you know, uh, generally, <laughs> I mean, people can be mean, like, so you could be, you could be interacting with a person that's just was mean during their life. And now they're mean after life, you know, it doesn't mean it's like a demon or something, but sometimes I wonder if they do that, like just they're angry in general. So they just are doing that, like get away thing. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're like an evil or a bad spirit or we're a bad person in life. It just may be that they're in a weird place that they don't know how to understand. So they're doing that. Like everybody just get the hell away from me. I want nothing to do with nobody type of thing. Right. Yeah. Cross your fingers. Right. That's so, what it is. Instead of something yeah, worse than that. Yeah. But. You, exactly. <laughs> they, you just say that's what it is, and just move on. But um, yeah. So like that's um, so that would be the Freetown State Forest. A lot of weird and negative things that happen there. I've only been there a couple times. I'm actually going to be going there some in the next month or so, doing to do an actual night investigation for the first time. So that should be interesting. Oh, I'd love to hear sure. about that when you go to do that too. And uh, oh, before we sure. continue I'll, moving on to, out of curiosity, um, did have you dug into anything on why the Cherokee said this land was evil? Did they have any like reasons why they dropped it? Um, no, they just they literally just said that evil dwelt there. So I would take that as meaning um, there's something non-physical or maybe even physical. I don't know something that was in that land or something that lived there that wasn't human. Um, Considering they have so much oral tradition, I wonder if it's one of those things that unfortunately kind of just got lost through time because it was something that was never really written down. It was just something that was spoke of without the actual backstory being right or, converted or to a text name or, or something that you know some sort of entity name that would be living there. You know, I don't I don't know specifically what it would be, other than you know, Pukwudgies or you know something darker. You know, I was on another. It's kind of theor- talking about like theories and stuff uh, on another podcast about like you know puckwudgies and and like spirits and stuff and like you know as far as like there seems to be definitely like good and evil out there and you know we were talking was to kind of talking about like oh well what if there's like you know within each side right you know even in angels and stuff and God all that, and the good side if you want to. Th- th- Entertain me for a second. So, like, even on that side, there's structure, right? God's at the top. There's angels underneath God. And even within the angel community, there's all types of other angels that are have different jobs, different titles. There's a structure. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's ones that are in charge of other people. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's like a hierarchy. So, I would assume... Boom. So, exactly. So, I was thinking the same thing would apply to demons, devil, all that kind of other stuff. There's probably, if they do exist... There's probably different levels and different ones that control other ones. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there could be other entities that have other little minions underneath them that maybe the minions underneath them necessarily aren't evil themselves. They're just being controlled by something that tells them what to do. You I'm, know, because they're, you know, just, I'm just, you know, just kind of like throwing, st- throwing, throwing it out there just because if, just thinking about angels and stuff. And Oh, I definitely you know, agree with you too, that there so. is some type of hierarchy, even if it's not as organized as say like the angelic side would be with knowing like their place there would still be that whole idea of like you know a a more evil being comes into the area and the other ones know to leave like it's an unspoken hierarchy more so than anything but there still has to be some type of structure over on that end 
And just to even yeah. throw in another possible theory when it comes to a lot of this like weird type stuff, um, I often wonder if, you know, as humans, we have our moral standards and we define something as good or bad. But if there's things that are beyond our method of understanding or, you know, they're able to transverse between different dimensions, they have like a more of an understanding of like reality than we may have. You know, maybe those moral lines are strictly something that's human and they don't exist amongst other things because it's just they're, they're running on a different on a different viewpoint of things. Like if they know that uh, on like the positive side on like the, the good side, if they kill something, it might be because they know again, that there's somewhere else that they're going to go. They might even see it as like, they're doing something a favor, but on like the dark side, um, you know, they kill something and they might be viewing it from the point of maybe if they're like a higher being, higher up in this hierarchy, it'd be like the equivalent of like us killing an ant. Like we don't think about it because it's just not a life that's there's, there's, they're so like below. Yeah, exactly. Like they just, yeah, like the, the moral lines are strictly like a human thing. Like we try to define stuff because we're people, we try to put everything in a category, but when it gets into this broader spectrum of what reality could be, I, I honestly don't think the lines are nearly as defined as we assume that they are. Oh no. And the parent do, like I was saying with the paranormal, I was telling a buddy, this is like, once you get like, you think you get somewhere with like, you're like, yeah, this is, this is, you get some other piece of evidence that you're like, all right, well, I don't know what to make of that, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Once you once you think that like, you've like narrowed, oh, like oh, I've nailed this down. I know exactly, you know, like something else that you catch or something else happens. You're like, oh man, well, what about this? You know, like I can't explain that. Well, I don't, you know what I mean? It doesn't all fit, you know. So I, you know, you just we're kind of always chasing, you know, trying to chase those like answers, you know, to these questions because there's just so many unanswered questions out there. I uh, one thing that um, happened recently last time. I was in the Bridgewater Triangle investigating and in the Huckamuck Swamp. Um, I had never gotten so many helps while I, while I had been there, which I thought was really weird. Um, and so then in the moment I had heard one of them, this is like through spirit box and stuff like that. Not actually like I didn't hear someone say help me, but through the spirit box, I got a couple help me's in there. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. So I was like, well, what can I do to help you? What do you think they said? Ah, uh, I'm kind of curious. Like, I, I don't even know which direction you're heading with this. Um, just to make a guess here, I'm going to say something about finding their body. That That's going to be my best guess. Like, it's in the swamp or something. That would make total sense. You know what it was? Food. Food? Food. And I'm like, so then my mind's going like a thousand different directions. So I'm like, all right, number one, there's... If these are people, do they not understand that they're dead? And like, because ghosts don't eat, right? So it's like, okay, so then my thought was, well, maybe they're not ghosts. Maybe they're like, I, I, like Pukwudgies, maybe Pukwudgies eat. I don't know. You know what I mean? It, it just was weird, dude. I mean, food really is food. Weird. It could even be like an energy. If it's some type of like energy <laughs> vampire okay. type being, the food could literally yeah, be okay, like, right. give me energy. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that, that's a possibility. It just it just threw me off. I was expecting like, um, I don't know. Yeah, right. It's something like along the lines that you were saying. Like, you know, please help me find, you know, closure. I don't know, something. But food, man. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that one off, either. Man. No, and it's just like, damn, like, what am I, what, what do you eat? That's what, That was what I was afraid to ask, you know what I mean? Because then I'm like, like human. <laughs> Little do we know that whenever anything dies, it has something on the other side. So when you make yourself a nice, you know, meal, then there's also a steak 
after you eat that on the other side. So in order to feed these <laughs> beings, you got to eat in their area and then there'll be a ghost version of your food for them. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, next time I'll literally bring food. And, and as you're eating you know, Cheetos, like, just a Cheeto will pop up on the other realm. <laughs> <laughs> you just see like one be picked up like by like a ghost hand and just like taken away. <laughs> Just like, disappears oh, into nowhere. They, they, yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, they were literally hungry. And then you hear, I get you like an EVP of like the crunch of the them eating whatever it is. <laughs> They're like, these are some bomb ass Cheetos. <laughs> Dude, like, this is some great evidence. This is a fantastic evidence. <laughs> then you start finding handprints, but they're Cheeto prints everywhere. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, dude. Oh, too funny. But yeah, Bridgewater. So that's basically the claims of the Bridgewater Triangle. I know we got kind of like off track there, but. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're just kind of like, yeah, just kind of going. But um, yeah, I've, I've been there. I've been exploring there. Oh, God, man. Probably over like a year and a half. Um, I've done the Huggamuck Swamp, Freetown State Forest are probably the two most popular places people know about the most trying to think if there's like another spot that i would say is like definitely number three Mm, it's hard it's hard to say because there's been like you know claims that kind of stick out in people's minds have you seen the bridgewater triangle documentary on amazon yeah yeah i have okay now which which one of the claims sticks out to you the most out of all of those because usually people have like one of the things that they're like oh man that was the craziest part i'm trying to think of one off the top of my head and my mind always ends up going towards like the cryptid stuff i've always Mm -hmm. been fascinated with any type of like sasquatch or dogman encounter specifically um i'm trying to think of one exact counter encounter from that documentary offhand but it's been a hot minute since i've watched it so yeah it's been yeah i'm sure it's been a little while but my favorite one is the one where the guy's talking about like the puck wedgie and so that's the guy that's like walking the dog late at night. Yep. And he sees the the puck wedge underneath like the um the light of the tele, telephone pole or whatever, and it's like talking to him and being and basically it says uh, we 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 want you we want you, which basically he thought it meant like we want you you know which is creepy you know in itself like you know beckoning him to like come to him and given the history of puck wedges, it's even creepier. Wasn't that the guy that came back a couple days afterwards trying to see if this thing would pop back up too and he never ended up seeing it again? Never never saw it again. Never saw it again. And where that guy lives is right near the Huckabuck Swamp. Like right near. Like it's he he like lives because like, he, he was talking about like the dog track or whatever because that's where he, the neighborhood where like he lives or whatever. And the dog track is literally right abuts the Huckabuck Swamp. It's like right in the middle of it. Um, so yeah, dude, super interesting. I've gotten a couple interesting like EVPs that I think, well, one of them th- I said, Hey, Puck, I was like, um, what did I say? I said, um, hello, Puck, what you sorry? How are you? My friends? Or where are you? My friends? One or the other. And I got an EVP that said, um, what was it? Hey, or we're here or here. I think it was here, here, like right next to me. Um, so that was pretty creepy and retrospective, you know, it was just kind of like a throwaway line. I just said it just to, you know, not expecting to actually, like I was actually going to get a response. And the creepiest part about that is that they're pretty much like the best way to describe it is almost like fey folk. So it's like they're around, but they're not always around. It's, it's almost like there's, there's like a curtain and they can interact and hear everything that you're saying, but you can't always see them. But all they have to do is just walk around the other side of this curtain and they're like existing in our reality. Like it's. Those things that exist as partial, like, fey-type beings are such, like, a hard thing to place because they're physical, but they're not at the same time. And it's yeah. 
it, they're both. It's it's got to be something from almost like the closest other existing reality, almost like if there's like another dimension yeah. or like another layer or another like something. frequency that exists within the same something. layer. It's got to be the closest to us is where these things come from. Absolutely. And what's weird about it is like when my uncle when my uncle had that encounter, he literally saw this thing disappear in front of his eyes. You know, like it was one of those things where uh, they lived in a haunted house. Um, long story short, this is like the last night they were there. Um, almost everything's out of the house. And so it was one of those pop down attics, not the ones where you like pull the thing and the stairs come down. One of those ones where it's just a square hole and you push it and you have to like literally climb up there with, you know, an actual ladder because there's no. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. With like an attic space. Yeah, just like a little. So out of that little attic space pops down said Pukwudgie, but it's got its like back turned to my uncle. And so it turns around, sees my uncle, looks shocked that he, my uncle's there and literally just disappears in front of his eyes. Did he give you a you full know, like, description of what this thing looks like? Because I feel like Pukwudgies yeah. too are one of those things that, like, the depiction of them, you get so many different variations. That anytime somebody has, like, a first-hand encounter, like, I want every single detail as far as the description goes. Um, he said, like, oh, uh, oh, it's hard to say, but between three and four to foot tall, completely covered in hair, like, uh, completely hairy. Did it have like the porcupine looking back to it, or was it just like like hairy in general? Did he make any kind of extra description? He, I think of that? he just said. I think he just said hairy in general. Not not. I don't think he said ahead of. He didn't mention anything about like a porcupine back or anything like that. So just like completely covered in hair, kind of like um, a face. I'm trying to think of the face. I think he said he might have said it was like um, I would say ape like, but sort of. I mean humanoid slash ape like, small, short, troll like creature but like completely covered in hair all hair like not not a lot of spots where he didn't have hair on him so uh when it comes to puck in particular and this kind of even goes into like the whole sasquatch thing people talk about the whole idea about how they'll see them and they disappear right in front of their eyes and everybody tries to relate this to like interdimensional stuff um i mean my mind even goes towards like the interdimensional being on like the other side of the veil type of idea but uh one thing i like to kind of bounce and even I mean, it could be a pretty good explanation for it. Uh, you start getting into possible like telekinetic abilities. And I think that it's something that's exist that exists within every single animal that exists to the point of even, I mean, you could even partially consider it to be uh, telekinetic that animals know when, how the weather is going to be before it even happens. Like they have this like innate ability to be able to like know things before they're going to happen. So with a more advanced mind, when it comes to like humans, when it comes to Sasquatch, when it comes to anything that's like more on the... I don't want to say not because animals are intelligent in their own way, but like intelligent in like our way, um, you start getting into maybe even some more telekinetic abilities. And when these things disappear, I almost wonder if it might be linked in with a telekinetic ability that they can almost make it so that they can, I don't want to say control your mind, but almost put like a blocker in your mind so that they're right in front of you but you can't see them. It's like they, they cover, they cover the mesh. And I mean, the same thing could go with all of these weird, like fey villages that people say that they stumble across sometimes could just be a matter of they weren't, somebody wasn't actively trying to make it so that they, they can't be seen. Um, I mean, it sounds just as crazy possibly as the interdimensional concept, but I mean, when you start digging into all of the weird mind control telekinetic stuff that even like the governments are digging into, like there's something to it, to the fact where it's even recognized by like the federal government. So who's to say that a lot of these weird abilities that we look at with these cryptids as like paranormal abilities may not actually be paranormal, but a natural ability that 
we don't understand or what we've pulled ourselves away from due to technology because, you know, you kind of adapt according to your environment. So when people are going a hundred or, you know, going a hundred years where somebody's telling them the weather rather than having to figure it out for themselves, the average person is going to lose that in-depth ability to be able to tell the weather before it's going to happen. And going down the line on the chain of this with just all the different advances in technology and how there's stuff that we don't have to do naturally anymore because we have technology to do it. If you're talking about a being that's never had technology where they just keep adapting these abilities, again, a lot of the stuff we were looking at as paranormal could be natural abilities that we've just deterred ourselves away from. Oh, that that definitely could be a possibility for sure. And I do think you're onto something with the with the telekinesis things as far as with Pukwudgies and maybe even Sasquatch other things. Because how many times have you heard people say, and people that have had encounters and stuff, they'll say like, oh, it, I heard a voice or like like it was almost as if they were reading their mind or talking to them in their mind kind of thing, especially with Bigfoot. And what's really weird that you mentioned that, especially when we're, we're talking about Pukwudgies is – Recently, now I can't attribute this. I can't attribute it to a Pukwudgie, but um, you know, while I was, you know, investigating, I was asking about Pukwudgies, and it kind of sounds like another because I've gotten a few EVPs, you know, or in the Huckamuck Swamp that over the past year and a half, some of them, you know, you end up hearing some of the same voices. So, on a couple EVPs, especially the ones where I I think they're Pukwudgies, the first time I ever had an EVP in the Huckamuck. I was out there with my little cousin. Um, he's just, you know, not little, little, but he's like 13, 14. He wanted to go out to the Huckamuck. He's really interested in like paranormal stuff. So I took him out there. I didn't even do a video on it because I didn't, you know, I was just, just took him out there just to, you know, so we did an EVP session and it recorded it. I re- it records on my phone automatically when you do one. So I did one and, you know, I didn't really think of anything. Listen back to it and we catch an EVP on there. But what's weird, really, really weird about it, and this is, this has now happened probably three or four times now, which is really strange. So what basically what happens is you hear um, an EVP and it says the word cold. And you're like, yeah, Phil, big, like that's cool that it said the word cold, but whatever. No big deal, right? Okay, it's January. It's freezing, right? It is cold. That's not the weird part. The weird part is I get the EVP of cold right after that within three seconds. Guess what I say? Hmm. Oh man, cold. I'm cold. Or cold. The same exact thing. (laughs) You know, so fast forward to we're in Tennessee. Um, This video just came out like a few weeks ago. I can't, I think it's part two. Yeah, it's part two of the video. Elkmont, for anyone that wants to look it up. Um, A brief history in Elkmont. It was a vacation hotspot in the Smoky Mountains. It was abandoned. Uh, because the National Forest bought the whole area, so they were like, "Hey, you gotta, got, you guys gotta leave because it's a national forest now." But anyway, so it, it's allegedly haunted. I didn't really know much of the history there, so we're walking through this very iPad I have right here, actually. So when it's like this, you, to turn it back on, you just gotta push the button, so that way it like turns on. Um, so my fiance Nicole, because I have like I record audio on here and stuff like that, you know, when I do investigations as a secondary audio, so that way. Um, in case, you know, you never know what might happen to the first one. Or sometimes I catch EVPs on here that aren't, aren't on my phone. You know, It's always good to have multiple backups happen. regardless when exactly. it comes to any audio you recording. Know. You never know. So she's used this many, many times, and she knows how to turn it on. So she's, like, pushing this button. Nothing's happening. And she's, like, she stops me. She's, like, hey, how do you turn this on? And so I'm, like, what? And so she brings it over. I'm, like, messing around with it. And so I catch an EVP that says, there you go. Right? What do you think I said two seconds later? About there, there you go. go. Yep, right before 
Yep. So it said what I was going to say before I said it. Not only that, same time, same place, Elkmont, during the day, earlier that day, same thing happened. Not to me, but to her. She's talk, She's like showing pictures of our cats to um, a couple of the guys we were out there with, um, investigating with. Be like, oh, you know, because they have cats. We're talking about cats or whatever. So, you know, this is like in between filming. Well, we're filming, but like, you know, just normal conversation. And so she's like, yeah, talk about the cat. She's like, and she's catching EVP that says, that's crazy. At the same time that she says, that's crazy. Talking about the cats. Like, I mean, talk about trickster beings. They're just mirroring everything that you say backwards. It just reminds me of like one of those kids when they're just playing copy and repeat, you know, like just to troll you. Yeah, essentially. Yep. And then what's even weirder about this whole entire experience, right? This, cause this is all very much puck wedgie behavior. We did a spirit box in one of the cabins there. And I was like, is there any other um, entities here besides people? Is there anyone like, is there anything here without skipping a beat? puck wedgies <laughs> now what's really weird about that is down there they do have puck wedgies but they're not called puck wedgies you know they call them something different that's like a different name just kind of like the, the, the you know, little people or whatever it's it's an entirely different name so that begs a question is there so, okay there's so many questions are the puck wedgies talking to each other so that way the Pukwudgies down there knew that I was going to be there or the Pukwudgies follow me there or did the Pukwudgies down there just know that I knew them at, under that name and so that's why they said that name. That's where you my mind I mean? was going towards is that if they know I there's know a universal that name, name that they're just going to go with whatever's familiar with you and that gets oh, into a whole yes. other can of worms about where they're reading they're reading my mind possibly and they know that I know that. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I mean they already know that th- we, I mean, I'm pretty sure they are because they were literally re- like saying things before I was saying them, you know, which is just weird, dude. Really weird. You know, it's just like some of the things that you, when you start paranormal investigating, like eventually stuff like this will happen. We're just, I mean, it's not bad. It's just, it's just weird, you know, where you're just like, uh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> That almost kind of fits the whole idea, too, of like they present themselves with whatever you're familiar with, too. So, I mean, it, I even get into this whole idea about basically like all of these, all this weird stuff happening could in a weird way all be the same thing. And it just chooses different lenses depending on what you're familiar with and what it knows you as. And I actually just got like it. Just like it. Exactly. Like I even just got like into this it. theory about how. Everybody talks about how they see these orbs around all these like high strangeness areas when it comes to like Sasquatch, Puckwudgies, all of that kind of stuff. So I threw the idea, what if the orbs themselves are the being and when you see them, when you're around them, then they choose to be a physical form so that they can either scare you away, trick you away, whatever their intentions are, depending on like whatever the thing is feeling or whatever it wants to do. But, you know, if it wants you to leave the area what are you going to try to portray yourself as a big, scary monster in the woods? So boom, you got Sasquatch. If you're trying to lure somebody and you're trying to, you know, figure if you have an intention for them, who knows what it is, be it food, be it you have, you just want to mess with them. Like, I don't know. The best way to do that would be through a small, non-threatening looking being, you know, just sitting on the tree, like, Hey, come on over here. So, Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. almost all of these things all involve orbs. The UFO stuff involves orbs. So like, what if those are the beings? And then you want to get into some crazy weird deep theories, which I tend to do on the show. Um, when you get into like simulation theory, if there are things that are existing outside of the simulation and they come in 
just to, you know, have fun, almost like spectator, spectator mode. You know, you're, you create a map, you want to go in, you want to go see it. So when they're in spectator mode, it could be like these orbs that we see until they, you know, spawn and choose their character. And then they just play the character. And then when they're done, they just go away. And that's where all these footsteps could just stop or disappear is that if we aren't in simulated reality, these things, when they're done, they just leave. That's it. They just turn off the game. They're done playing. <laughs> Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm I mean, I mean, either way, there definitely is either a veil or y either simulation, whatever it is. There's definitely some sort of barrier between, like, the paranormal, like, spirit side of things and our side for sure. And then there seems to be certain, either certain parts that are areas where either through manipulation, uh, or whether people are doing that, or they're just natural areas, you know, that are just kind of like that. One thing I think is interesting about the Huckamuck Swamp in general is I was listening to this other podcast and I can't remember to cite it. Uh, but anyway, it was this guy who was from Louisiana, right? And he was talking about the swamp they have near his house or whatever and all these paranormal claims. And every single claim that he mentioned on that podcast, every single one of them is the same exact claim that's in the Huckamuck Swamp. <laughs> I mean, to a T, every single one. And I'm like, all right. Okay, so what's weird? I mean, this is obviously it's weird, but the weird weirdest part I think is like, okay, so yes, they're two, they're swamps, so that's they have that in common. But you could not get any more different than Massachusetts and Louisiana as far as like, you know, um, temperature wise. You know, it's just like a completely different climate. You know what I mean? Like Louisiana is like borderline tropical area. Massachusetts is like you know we have winters up here, so like yeah, they both swamps. But I just find it really strange that. Here's two two different swamps, same paranormal claims, thousands of miles away from each other. You know, it's just very strange. I mean, you know, that could like, just kind of show the the fact that the claims are real, or on the opposite mm -hmm. side, somebody's taking claims from something else that they already were familiar with. And yeah, which I true. hope not for. But then the other odd thing right. is is that if they are the same type of deep creature that you're dealing with, assumably they're going to have somewhat of the same like characteristics on how they act, things that they do. Um, so that just almost kind of shows that there is or could be a probability of there being the same type of creature in both different regions. And the fact that it's both a swamp just kind of fits the whole idea of like, if they have a preferred type of area, even if they are in to totally different States, just like humans, you know, like all of us want to live in an air conditioned house, but we can live all across the country, no matter the climate, as long as we have our familiar home area that we can call our home base, you know? Right. And what, what better place than a swamp where, I mean, for the most part, you're not really going to see a lot of humans out there. You know, very rarely you're going to see people, especially deep in swamps. I mean, you can disguise yourself super easy too, as like a muskrat oh, or a yeah. beaver, especially if you're a little hairy being. Like you're swimming oh, through the water, somebody sure. walks by at a quick glance, you're just going to assume it's you know muskrat or something. Yeah, absolutely, for sure, definitely. So yeah, it's definitely interesting, man. And it's, I just thought it was um, interesting enough to mention, just because it was just you know, here's two different. Uh, two different places that just have the same claims, you know, thousands of miles away. It's just very strange. Um, but yeah, Huckamuck Swamp is probably the place I've been to the most, though. Um, uh, one thing I did want to mention, because it's just another, like, connecting, like, tissue thing. So another thing that happened in the Huckamuck recently, that's, I would say the first time it happened was probably a couple months ago. And so out of the last three times I've been, I've got, I've, this has happened each one of those times. And basically... Um, it, and I would say the first time was the longest of the experiences. Like the first time was probably like a 30 minute experience. So basically I'm in an area where I've been to many times. We're talking areas where I've gotten EVPs, you know, 
um, spirit box response, a lot of different things over the you know year and a half I've been there. So it's like a hot spot that I do go to because I know that there's you know it seems to be activity there, spirits there, puckwudgies, whatever they are. So you know doing my spirit box session thing. Actually, I was just about to turn on the spirit box. So just about to turn on the spirit box, and all of a sudden in front of me, I hear a large like bang. And we're talking probably like 100 feet, maybe 90 feet in front of me in the swamp. We're talking, you know, way in, in water. I hear a, a big bang, and then a tree falls down inside the swamp. And I'm like, man, that's really weird. It sounded like someone hit it. And so I, I, I go, when I edit the footage, and I'm like listening back, I catch an EVP at the exact time where that hit takes place, the first hit. And it literally sounds like, um, hmm, like somebody, if you were, to, if you were like, you know, doing something physical and you want to get that extra power, you'd make that noise kind of like tennis players do when they hit the ball. Mm-hmm. They always make a noise when they, it's the exact same kind of a noise that grunt. If someone do it, a grunt. That's exactly like a grunt doing something physical. So uh, you hear this grunt bang, like as if they were swinging something, uh, whatever it was. And they, it, a tree falls over like, you know, and so I'm like, what is that? And so then I start hearing, so obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. So I, I walk closer, I get closer up there. So I'm just kind of standing there, just listening, to see if anything else happens. I get like a tree knock about mm, 65 feet in front of me, um, like front of me to the right, my right. So like your left, if you're looking at me. Um, and then in front of me, probably I would say the first noise was probably like 50 feet away. I hear like glass bottles moving and glass moving now mind you it's a swamp so like it's standing water um and yeah at this point there was some ice so like there could be bottles or something on top of the ice or whatever um but there's no reason that they should be moving unless maybe an animal or something like that was moving them but this is like a you know like i said a 30 minute experience so i'm hearing glass bottles move i'm hearing um then I start hearing what sounds like um, metal moving with the glass as well. And then I start hearing, that's when I start hearing like um, more bangs. And so I hear like a, like another bang, like really loud, really loud bang. And then after the bang, you hear this, um, like it's like a beep, beep, beep. And then like, you know, bang, it's so on and so forth. Just like continuing like that. And so I'm like what is going on? And so it's a winter time. So like I said, there's a little bit of ice around. So there's no foliage on the tree. So I can see like, you know, as f- but as far in as you could see at any point, you know, cause there's no leaves in the way you can see pretty far. And so I can't see anything as far as you know, what I can see. I don't, I don't see anything at all, but I'm hearing stuff that's loud. And so I would say the closest sound I heard was probably 35 feet away. And the furthest away was like 55 feet during this, like with the noises and the bangs and stuff like that. Um, when, and what's weird about that is like, yeah, I had that experience. I, and so the next time I went out there, obviously I was like, I need to, I was like, I got to check this out again to see if this happens again. You know what I mean? Maybe it was just a one-off. Maybe, maybe someone left, like lost a drone in there and it was just, you know, some they're trying to find it. And that's, that's what the beeping was. And maybe the tree just fell down naturally, whatever. So I go back and then I start hearing that I get that bang again and I get the beeps again. And I got, I got it on camera, thankfully. So I'm like, damn, I was like, it's the same exact thing in that same spot. So I'm like, I'm like, no way. I was like, this is crazy. So 
during this experience, I get three words on my word bank feature. Now, how the word bank allegedly works is spirits, ghosts, whatever, can manipulate it and say whatever words they want. So I got, that's actually four words technically. So the first word that comes up was um, entity. Second word, come. Third and fourth word, come see. Entity, come see. Yeah, come see. Like, come come see me. Like, come come in here. Like, that's how I took it. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm, in, I'm inside here. Come, why don't you come in and see me? Or there is an entity, go look. Yes, yes, right. Either way, creepy. What's, and so I, I posted that video, and that was like the last, that was the last time I was in the Huckamuck. And what's, weir- what's really strange about to wrap this all around to a UFO thing, what's really weird about that is I posted that video. And a guy commented on it. Now, this, you know, it's just a guy commenting on my video. Who knows? But he was like, hey, um, I think this video is really weird. I do a lot of, like, UFO research. And I talk to a lot of people that, you know, have been abducted. And they, a lot, not all of them, but some of them have said right before they were abducted, they heard a metal beeping and a large crash or a large bang around them. And I, I just was like, okay. As you can see, this person's right. mind is kind of going where mine was going. I got a couple questions for you after the story. <laughs> yeah, so so that's you know that's basically the story. So that was the last time I was out. Um, yeah, so I've yeah, so that's basically. Um, and I'm trying to think, and then I got to bombard you with a couple of questions about this story first. No, though. go for it. So no, yeah, go for it. First of all, did you notice any uh, time loss by chance? Um, no, not that I noticed. Um, I was pretty much filming the whole time. So I probably would have noticed because I, you know, I, d- I didn't shut the camera off. I just kind of kept it rolling the whole time. Because my mind um, went two different directions. Either one, you get into the whole like residual haunting idea where it's something traumatic that happened in that area. And if there's this, this huge tie to elemental beings and things that are just, they care about the land itself, um, then cutting down a part of that land is considered a traumatic event that could echo through time so to speak so maybe there was like a mining crew at some or not a mining crew but a, uh, like a foresting crew at some point that was chopping down everything and everything has grown back since but there's still that residual trauma that's that's there and you're still hearing sounds from it and then my other kind of theory that i was getting into and i've talked to a handful of guests that have experienced something weird along these lines where they'll be out in the woods doing an investigation and they'll hear weird sounds that don't sound like they belong there uh, one of the people that I had on uh, was talking about how they heard a family talking and it was around one o'clock in the morning and they heard it coming up in the trees, but they never saw anybody come by, but they heard the sound of it. And they ended up talking to uh, their residential psychic about it. And basically what she said is that they were experiencing a partial like time slip that they may not have fully time slipped, but they were hearing something that wasn't happening at that time. It was there's a slip so you're hearing the sound from the other side from a different time of something happening and i mean that could be in the past that could be something happening in the future but you could have been hearing like the sound that's coming through like a thin veiled area from another time and then even kind of expanding past that too um you want to get into the whole like weird veil area thing i get into this whole weird theory about uh basically there being microscopic wormholes that could exist almost everywhere. And that could be the avenue that 
UFOs and all these weird different creatures end up coming into our reality through. And it's almost like a good way to describe it would be like wiring inside of like a wall. Like it doesn't affect either of the rooms. Like imagine this room and the room next to yours as the two different realities. And then in between the walls, there's all the wiring, which gets every, all the information between the two rooms. So if you have these networks, I kind of feel like they would almost kind of flow like how a river would, where they go in one specific direction. And if you have something that can transverse transverse these things, such as a UFO, then you can come out at whatever exit you want. But if you are just kind of going through it on accident, that's where you get these time slips that people will experience. So they'll be seeing things that don't exist in this proper time. Then they'll come back to that area and then it won't be there anymore. And then the, like the weird UFO or Bigfoot and cryptid stuff where I don't think they're necessarily like intentionally interdimensional, but they could accidentally walk through a wormhole the same as like people do and end up somewhere else so if there is these theoretical microscopic wormholes everywhere um maybe something came through it or something was about to come through it and you're almost hearing like the rattling coming through the pipeline uh before something was about to come through and that could kind of be the connection with like the whole possible like ufo thing was that it's was a ufo transversing through one of these microscopic wormholes that happens to let out over in this area and of course if there is these microscopic wormholes i there would be a bunch in any type of these triangles because those are like the high strangeness phenomenons where everything seems to pop out from so i almost mm -hmm. imagine it like that would be like the almost like a crossroads that there could be a bunch of different networks going everywhere but there might be specific areas where it's like a cross of where a bunch of networks all hit at once and the reason why there's so much high strangeness in this area is because not just one wormhole is letting out here, but like 10 different wormholes are all just dropping whatever happens to come through all in this one specific area. So you get these areas of high strangeness all because of this network system. Oh yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's what I've been definitely thinking about for sure lately, as far as like with um, Bridgewater triangle, as far as like paranormal portals and stuff like that. Cause that's the same kind of concept where like there's these portals and that's how things are like getting through either other dimensions, other, wherever they're coming from, you know, that's how they're like coming in and out and stuff like that. And the, you know, Bridgewater, where there's Bridgewater Triangle or other areas and stuff like that, do they pop up? You know, it seems they, they pop up quite frequently in those areas, like you said. So um, there's definitely could be something to that for sure. I mean, it's definitely something to it. There's something going on in these areas for sure that we can't explain. So um, definitely weird, man, for sure. Those are probably like the weirdest things in the last couple months that have happened to me. <laughs> um, you know, but like, like I said, nothing like terribly bad, just like more weird, you know, just kind of like strange. Have you, you know, uh, ever personally had any like Dogman or Sasquatch, not necessarily like firsthand experiences, but any hearing them off in the distance, finding footprints, anything weird like that exploring this area? I've never seen any footprints. Um, I've never, I've never heard like any calls or. The only closest thing I've, I, would, I could say I've seen to a dog man is I saw a wolf once. Um, well, what I thought was a wolf. Um, it's really weird. So I think it could have been, uh, like a, as far as a natural explanation, I think it could have been a combination of a wolf slash coyote hybrid thing that I saw. Um, or, you know, it could be something else. I don't know. But um, that was, that's, I would say that's the only like physical thing I've ever seen where anything close, remotely close to that. I've had tree knocks um, and stuff like that. I've heard knocks on metal and stuff like that. Like um, the metallic grinding sound that people hear usually before dogman encounters? Grinding? I mean, I've heard... Uh, the best way I can describe it, it sounded like... 
sounded like crinkling metal or like aluminum or like that's the best way I could describe it. That's what it sounded like. Like like um crinkling metal. And I've heard like knocks on metal. I've heard two rocks hitting each other together. Like as if you had two rocks in your hands and you went like like that. I've heard that before um, out there. Um, but yeah, like as far as, uh, yeah, like uh, nothing as far as like, I've never heard a whoop or any, you know, like anything like that I could be like, oh, I think that's a Bigfoot or a Dogman or anything besides, like I said, besides like the wolf encounter, which some people could be like, oh, maybe that was a Dogman. Could be. I don't know. It looked like a wolf when I saw it. You know what I mean? It was on all fours. It wasn't like standing upright or anything like that. You know what I mean? It, would, it just looked like a regular. Um, In that wolf. aspect, I, say, I would say trust your instinct then. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I will say this. It was it was, it was, was black and it was very fluffy, you know, which I think is very strange anyway. It was just very fluffy, like wolf or half wolf, half coyote, and it was bigger than any other coyote I've ever seen before. Because I've seen coyotes, like, in person before. It's like a dire wolf. (laughs) A black dire wolf. (laughs) But that goes right into the Bridgewater Triangle stuff, Mm -hmm. like animals of unusual size. So it's like, maybe it just is a normal animal, but there's something about this land that makes these animals bigger or something. I don't know. You know, know, whether that's paranormal or not, I don't know, but it may be a matter of weird. Hear me out. It's something kind of weird, but a matter of them having to defend themselves because you hear about the native legends that you were talking about of it being evil land, just to kind of throw in a possible theory on this, who knows how long that dates back to. There could have been a point where say there was all these different types of like beings and creatures that were around and the natives took it upon themselves to try to almost make, I don't want to say make a reservation for these things, but almost like trying to push them into a specific area, you know, like start building up, not, I want to say civilizations, but start building up like camps and kind of start pushing them smaller into this specific area until they get to a point where they're like, all right, this is your area. We'll stay out. We're going to go over here. You guys all stay here. But within that area, there could still be communities of like, this is a Sasquatch area. This is a Dogman area. This is a Pukwudgie area. But it's all within this area because they all got pushed into this area. And then the high strangeness comes from the fact of all of this, all these weird creatures all being in this area and all of the other creatures almost like adapting because of them being in the area. So, you know, if there's Sasquatch, if there's all these bigger, weird creatures that the animals typically wouldn't have to deal with, maybe after like years and years of them all being in this area with them, they've adapted to become bigger in order to defend themselves against the creatures that exist in that area. Dude, that, that could totally be very valid and, and totally makes sense too. You know, because you, you are right. I mean, if I mean, I do, I do think that Pukwudgies are real, just because my uncle's seen him, and I've gotten so much evidence that you know, I've never seen one physically with my own eyes. But if a Pukwudgie exists, I mean, Lord knows what else is out there. Whether that's Bigfoots, you know, Dogman, or even just animals that you know we just don't know, or, or you know, who knows? There could be any number of things out there. So that would not surprise me in the least bit. I mean, not only that, but the Huckamuck Swamp alone is. A huge, vast, vast swamp, and mo- most of it is unreachable. I mean, I've heard rumors that there's certain parts where people haven't even been since, you know, the 1700s or something. You know what I mean? We're talking like old growth trees and stuff like that, just because it's such a huge area. Most of it is unreachable um, without having to either get out and go in the water yourself, or you couldn't even take a canoe in. You know what I'm saying? It's like so overgrown and so dense. That yeah, I don't think anybody would even try just because, 
you know, the fear of getting lost or, you know, dying or something out there, you know, it's like, it's, just, it's a weird place. It's, it's, um, it's one of those places too, where, um, as far as hunters and stuff like that, um, cause you would think that it'd be a place where a lot of hunters would go. Cause it's just a huge area where a lot of animals are, you know, you can trap there, you can hunt there, you can do a whole bunch of stuff. Hardly anybody goes there to hunt. I mean, people do, but not that many. I mean, you would think that it'd be really popular spot to hunt. I know people like families, whole families that are like hunters and stuff. They won't even go to the Huckamuck Swamp. Is it because of like the lore behind it or just because it's hard to transverse through traverse Um, through the, the lore and the hauntedness and, you know, because things have happened to them out there when they've been out there or like, you know, all it takes is something weird to happen to you one time someplace and you're like, all right, well, it makes you wonder what could there. possibly exist in there as far as like artifacts, relics, anything like that oh, goes. And even just like beings saying. trying yes. to keep people away from this area because they know something's there or even just the natives in general. Like maybe they had some type of something set up there, be it like, I don't want to say an underground setup, but maybe so- some type of something. And they just tried to deter all the white settlers away from it by telling them it was evil land to keep them away from some type of like sacred area or sacred object or sacred monument. Yeah, and especially the Huckamuck, the they love they they respected the Huckamuck so much. The word Huckamuck means place where spirits dwell, um, which I think is interesting. That even back then it was haunted or there was ghosts there, uh, which I think is really interesting. So there's always been ghosts there, no matter what. Maybe it's a matter, um, too, that they thought that that was, I don't want to say necessarily like a portal, but maybe a place where they would be able to have some type of communication with their ancestors. So rather than have the white settlers and everything build up on it and ruin the possibility of them being able to communicate with their ancestors, they just said it's evil, it's covered with spirits, don't go there, it's bad, when they actually knew full-heartedly that the spirits that are there are the spirits of their ancestors. And going back into what we were talking about earlier in the show with that no, go away type of thing, they may not be... Mm-hmm bad they may just know that white people english settlers bring bad to the natives so when they see a white person there they're like go away bitch like we don't want you here because it's it's not evil scary but just like sacred land from the aspect of like them being able to communicate with their ancestors yeah sure yeah you never know i mean like i said they used to they used to bury their dead there too um, not all of them, but you know, it was a place where they did it. And who, like, who knows what else they? I mean, they definitely used the swamps to their advantage for sure. They knew what I find fascinating about like their culture the most is they know they knew the land so much better than we do. Like, you know, we've been in New England, we've been living here for a while. No one knows the swamp like they did. You know, there's stories of during King Philip's War, which is during like the 1600s time period, like after the Pilgrims arrived, there was a war. There were like there's stories about when you know there were the pilgrims were fighting the Native Americans. They were fighting back and forth. They would often the Native Americans they would go from like swamp to swamp, and so they would literally like you know they would the pilgrims would chase them into a swamp. They would go the they would go into the swamp. They would just literally disappear, and the pilgrims would try to follow them in there. They go as far as they would go, and then you know they would just disappear or like you know because they would know. They knew where to walk. They knew exactly what pathways to go. You know what I'm saying? They use it to their advantage. Talk about whitewashing. They try to say that the Revolutionary War, the Americans, came up with the idea of guerrilla warfare. But perfect that it fits that the natives are the ones doing the guerrilla warfare and that the colonists stole it from them and then try to take credit saying that they invented guerrilla warfare. Oh, yeah. It gets even even better than that because the pilgrims used the help of Native Americans to defeat other Native Americans, you know. (laughs) That's that's the that's the only reason why they won to begin with, um, is because you know 
they just to have like that insider in knowledge of like the land and they didn't even know how to grow food on the land if it wasn't for the natives they had to figure out the whole function of squash corn and beans growing yeah. together and the the settlers the white settlers would not have survived here if it wasn't for the natives oh no we would no they even in, in Plymouth like this is Plymouth is not very far from where I live they lost like almost, I think I want to say a hundred but a lot. That first year, that first winter they were here, because I don't know if a lot of people don't know this, the Pilgrims spent the first winter when they arrived in Plymouth on the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like, were out in the water, the right? Yeah. Still, still, because it was winter, they, they, they couldn't build anything, you know what I mean? They, Because you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta imagine, too, like, I don't know how many months' journey it was across that water, but... You know, and it's it like you had that safe shelter raining. to begin with. A lot of people don't realize that when these settlers came, where they got the majority of the wood from that they originally started building their colony with was from the ship that they took yeah. to get here in the first place. Yeah. So it's like yeah. you don't want to start dismantling the ship to use the pieces when exactly. you don't know how long it's going to be before you have a solid place to stay at. Like you're better off just exactly. having the ship and staying on the water just for yeah. safety's sake. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And in the middle of winter, you know, it mm-hmm. just wasn't. It wasn't a recipe. I mean, there was so many like tragedies when they first got here. Like literally, when they pulled in, I think it was Plymouth Port, like where you know, harbor or whatever. They were swinging the ship around, and one of the women on the boat—I can't remember her name—but she she fell off the boat, and her petticoat was like too heavy that it like weighed her down, and she drowned. And so we're talking like as soon as they arrived, like imagine you you get all the way across the water, months and months journey. Here is the you know, the promised land, you're like, oh my God, this is where we're going to live. This is our new, a new opportunity for us, you know, and then you die before you even get on land, you know, it's just such a bummer. Makes you wonder how many died that <laughs> winter when they were literally looking oh, at the dude. land for a couple months yes. waiting to get there. Right. <laughs> right. And not only that, too, there's another thing a lot of people might not know. When they arrived, there was a Native American village, Patuxet, completely abandoned. Because the village ended up getting uh, illness or getting sick um, like the year before or whatever. So there was even rumors that when they arrived, there was like there were so many dead in the village that there wasn't enough to bury everyone. Like literally there was just skeletons there, like just, you know, sitting there. Like it was just like a kind of a gruesome scene, as you can imagine, you know, a literal ghost town. a literal ghost town. So, like, imagine they they go all the way across the thing. They get to the, where they're supposed to be. They're like, "All right, this is going to be great." Oh my god, here's a little village. Maybe they can help us. <laughs> it's like, oh no, they're, they're all dead. They're, every single one of them is dead. And they're like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, I guess we'll just stay on this ship for a little while." <laughs> I just imagine them going into the pantry, going, "Oh, there must be food here." And there's just a skeleton sitting there with like a box of nothing, just crumbs yeah, at the bottom. Right? Nothing, absolutely nothing. And you're like, "Oh man." <laughs> that's gonna be a bummer but yeah yeah so they had a rough go of it that first couple years it was brutal they lost like i think almost half half the pilgrims that made the journey i think didn't make it Mm. something like that so yeah dude it was tough you got to give props to anybody and all those people pioneer people explorer people like i mean they to go out there like that on your own in the middle of the water not knowing really where kind of really where you're going but not really know where you're going like but then you get to a giant landmass and you saw no shit about that new landmass. So once you get there, yeah. it's like you're still you're, it's even, lost. It's even more terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like, what do we do now? <laughs> and dude, you know for all mean? you know, you could yeah. land there. You could build up a civilization and an extra t- like five miles from you. There could be like a full set up like 
full-on community of a whole other group of people living there and you'd have no idea and little did they know they start going down into mexico and down into south america and there's all these like ancient civilizations all set up everywhere they were not expecting that shit and then no, just to throw no. something in here for people that don't realize it and haven't put the two and two together the reason why they started calling the indians indians is because they thought they landed in india so yeah. <laughs> that's that that's where that came from kind of a kind of a yeah dumb oh, thing just, that it continued on for as long as it did knowing that it's absolutely. just a general fuck absolutely. up <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah just uh, totally just yeah that's exactly what it was <laughs> that people still use today mistake. <laughs> yeah i know it's so wild it's so wild you know it's yeah it's funny you're just like oh all right yeah but it's too funny to be known for like that yeah it is weird i don't know why but yeah it was i think wasn't that it was like columbus that did that yeah columbus yeah i thought so yeah because yeah because that well that was his whole thing because that was why he wanted to go over there was to try to find a new route just India or whatever without having to go I guess around Africa and that way I suppose or something like that. Yeah, they just thought this landmass yeah. didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, it's just open waters with uh, huge uh, serpents. <laughs> You're going to fall off the edge if you keep going that way. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> just flip there's over. Still people, there's still people that say that. <laughs> yeah, that's, again, another whole can of worms. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's like, that's like you were saying earlier. That's one of those things. That's another thing that's come back around. You that's know, one of those way things back when people that's it's like a biblical thing like that. most people that present yeah. that presented from like the biblical aspect and me being who i am dude i everything that i seem to do always seems to come back in my mind to like simulation theory and when people talk about flat earth from a biblical perspective and everybody now is like no we live on a globe blah 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 this is all this that proves this i throw in the theory of like what if you're both right what if this isn't a simulated reality and the map wasn't fully rendered yet. So when they first created the map, it was a flat, small map. But then as they started expanding it, they had to keep going with it and eventually they globed it out. And that's why you have all of these old depictions and ideas that the earth is flat. It was because maybe it was flat then because the map wasn't fully made yet. <laughs> it, was, it was just literally like a square of a map. <laughs> yeah, right. You never know. You never know. You never know. Yeah, dude. This, that's why I love talking like paranormal stuff. Because like, you could just go down so many like rabbit holes of like different theories. And, you know, that's what's like half the fun of, is, is like trying to like figure out what's really going on. You know what I mean? Connecting the pieces, yeah. like feeling like Charlie Day yeah. with all the scattered thing on the wall. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, just like the pieces of string linking each other, you know, EVPs, spirit boxes, you know, like <laughs> uh, all leading to like puckwudgies in the middle. I got a couple of uh, things that I'm working on currently and that's kind of where I'm at right now is that I have all of these pieces and I know that they're connected, but I haven't found the connecting piece yet. And I'm just waiting for that one piece to throw in the middle to have all of these dots connect. But I know these things are related, but I'm almost there. And for all the yeah, listeners, yeah, yeah. that will probably be a future episode on Bizarre Encounters. And when I go to that, I'll announce that that's what it was. If you guys listen to it on that feed. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So what's your other podcast that you're on? Bizarre Encounters. Is that you? It's obviously you, but you and who, uh, who else? Uh, I have my two co-hosts, Orin and Jenny. Uh, Orin runs uh, the Framework UFO, and uh, Jenny is his girlfriend, partner, whatever you want to call it. And uh, she also does research with him. She's the paranormal person. He's the UFO person. Uh, I dabble in everything, of course, but my like main thing that I research into is the cryptid stuff. So we try to come at it with pretty much all three viewpoints coming into somebody that comes on the show sharing their experiences or if we're diving into a topic, we were able to kind of view it from three different vantage points diving into it. So I think it's a pretty fun dynamic. It's been, been doing pretty good. So 
Yeah, that's cool. So, um, is that would you consider that you're like your secondary podcast or like equal to this pod? Like, how do you, how would you like? Is this your number one passion project, and that like that's like a side project you guys do together, or would you guys? It's like consider them both on the same. I'd consider them both to be equally my shows, I guess. I wouldn't say that I have like a preference over one more so than the other. Um, it's just two different avenues for two different methods of thought that I like to get into. So it's like, for as far as like my research goes, I like diving into all of the weird stuff. So like, that's where I put it over here. Uh, the format for this show ended up being open-minded conversation. So it's like, this isn't really like, it has room for deep dive for like the guests coming on and stuff, but not for like me just to sit here and do like a deep dive by myself. So it's like, yeah two different passion projects in two different ways. This is my being able to express ideas and theories and bounce around with people. And then that's my deep dive. And because I have both of those going on, it's like, I'm able to combine information from both shows. So it ends up working out in the favor for both ways. Cause I've talked to some guests that'll correlate with some of the stuff we're talking about on bizarre encounters and that'll get pulled that way. And yeah, just two, two different methods of the same thing. And I wanted to get particularly into Bizarre Encounters over there, but this show, I wanted to be able to get into any fringe topic I wanted to. So, like, I try to leave... Like, obviously, we get into, like, government conspiracies, all of that, but I try to leave all of the uh, political, like stuff that I get into away from Bizarre Encounters. Um, and then over here, you know, we get into the stuff with the pandemic that happened, um, all of the woke agenda stuff. Like I try to, I try not, cause I know that there's people that are into cryptids and all that kind of stuff that may not always agree with those viewpoints. So I try to like leave that show as its own piece over there that doesn't have those viewpoints gotcha. in it so that everybody can kind of enjoy it. Gotcha. That that's cool. No, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. I was just curious. Cause, um, yeah, just curious, but yeah, that's cool, man. That's awesome. And it seems like you really, you know, you are really interested in it and you really like it and it's like a passion of yours. So, I would say just keep on going, man, especially when you got like, you know, you got your research side that you're doing and then you have the other stuff, you know, dude, it's perfect. That's makes it great. so I can talk to people, makes it so that, yeah, yeah just a little little bit yeah. of best of both worlds, man. And it more so is a passion project more than anything because I still work a full-time job. I got two kids. Yep. So it's like if it wasn't a passion project, it wouldn't be happening. But because I drop two episodes a week, um, I'm trying to do a bunch of additional stuff like it's it's beyond more than a passion project. It's become an obsession that I'm hoping that one day I can find a way to have fund itself where I can just spend all my time just doing that because that's what I want to be doing. I want to be able to sit here and dive into some really deep stuff and get, like I said, those weird connecting rabbit holes I get into. I want more time to be able to just sit down and just not have to worry about the nine to five job and just be able to say, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I'm the, I'm in the same boat as you, man. I feel the same exact way about it too. And it it, it literally is like two full time jobs for sure. And then and the, honestly, like you have to treat it like that. Honestly, I mean, it does suck. Obviously, like time management is probably like the most hardest fucking thing. thing. There's never enough time oh, in the for day. Sure. No, no, dude. I wish I had. I wish I could duplicate myself. You know, like um, like that movie, uh, Duplicity or whatever. With what's his name. Oh yeah, in the nineties, <laughs> <laughs> like, like copies himself like seven times. Just don't copy yourself a second time, otherwise you'll end up with a clone that won't be so helpful. That's right. Yeah, you, you never copy a copy. <laughs> we learned that in that movie, no doubt. <laughs> but um, yeah, dude. Oh, I know because it's the same thing for me, dude. It's like you know, yeah. It's just dude, there's never enough time. You're like, oh man, I wish I wish I could have enough time to do one more trailer, one more video, one more post. You know, so. But yeah, time management, that's the biggest thing, you know, making sure you have enough time to like live your life and, you know, spend time with your family and all that stuff, but still like get everything you need to get done as far as editing your posts, all that kind of stuff. 
say that's like more than a full-time job because it's like you're the boss of that job so it's like you have your normal nine to five job and then you have your job that it almost like you're the owner of the business so it's like it's not exact hours like you're doing that shit whenever you need to if you need to be up till three o'clock in the morning in order to get something done and wake up at six then that's what you're going to be doing (laughs) like (laughs) there's nobody to pass the work on to like you just got to do it. No, yeah, exactly. You're the owner, operator, and employee. You know, just like you're everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, yep, I know. How, I know that game. I know that game. But yeah, dude. Yeah, it's it's fun though. You know what I mean? Like like I said, you have to like what you're doing in order, you know, in order to like keep on doing it because it is a lot of work for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And if you don't, you'll end up dying out pretty damn quick. And unfortunately, I've seen just in the time that I've been around, which I don't feel like it's been that long, but it's over over a year and a half now. I've seen a lot of shows come and go because I totally understand where people will start up a podcast, uh, they'll start up a project of any of this type of stuff. And once they get rolling, going on it and they realize how much work there is besides just sitting down and talking on a microphone, uh, a lot of people end up dipping out pretty quick because you can't keep up with it unless it's something that you full-heartedly want to be doing. If it's something that you have doubts in your mind about, you're not going to end up sticking with it that long. Like this podcasting, content creating, investigating, researching, all of this that is all involved in this high strangeness community is beyond a full-time job, like we we're saying. Like you have to be fully involved in it. Otherwise, it's it's going to die out pretty quick for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, you have to love it too. That's the most important thing. If you don't like it, then you, yeah, you'll just literally stop. I, the, I'm, it's funny you mentioned that because I was listening to the episode I listened to um, of yours. You, I think you literally said that exact thing. Um, I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, you literally said that same thing. And I couldn't agree more because it's, it's totally true. There's so many, you know, little podcasts or, you know, YouTube channels or whatever that just like, yeah come and go pretty quick just because I don't think people realize how much work there actually is involved with it. Unless you're doing, I mean, unless you're doing the most basic of basic, you know, podcasts where you're like, literally you don't edit anything and it's like a reaction podcast or something like that. But like, even then, I don't know. I'd probably still edit it anyway. Those are the ones that end up diluting it out though. Like I always got to tell people like it, it, becoming a podcaster is almost like being a rapper like 10 years ago. You tell somebody you're a podcaster and they're like, oh yeah, good for you. You do a podcast. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah but you don't understand, man. Like I'm not one of these people that's just hanging out with my buddies and recording the conversation. Like I'm doing a lot involved with this shit. And it's it, like, obviously everybody has fun. Everybody has their own form of podcast, like whatever. But it kind of sucks sometimes that like the serious shows that are trying to be as professional as possible, like the whole stigma of being a podcaster gets diluted out by the shows that are just, you know, five guys hanging out and just talking about absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah, you tell somebody you're a podcaster yeah. and that's instantly what they assume that you're doing. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. They don't think of like Joe Rogan or... <laughs> Mm. They think of like the worst, they think of the worst version of, of that. Like you said, it's like, yeah, five guys with no microphone sitting in one room where they're the phone the in the middle. Way too fa- <laughs> yeah. Way too far away from the microphones. You can't quite really hear without having to turn it up all the way. And, you know, and there, there's definitely alcohol involved and, you know, gets to the point where someone's not really funny, but they're still, they think they're funny because they're drunk. <laughs> That's a whole, it's a whole, I don't know. That's not like I'm describing something very specific, but you know, um, but no, yeah, dude, it's a stereotype and it definitely fits. <laughs> oh, for sure. Cause you, I bet there's people who are listening to this. It's like, you know, I, I heard a podcast like that once and you're like, yeah, you did. Yeah. I guarantee you did. I guarantee you've listened to 500 <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely, man. But yeah, man, I, I, I wish we had more time, man. This has been so much fun. I feel like we have so much more to talk about. 
Oh yeah, sure. definitely, dude. I'll have to have you back like, on. Scratch the surface of like Bridgewater Triangle and, um, you know, but yeah, dude, it's been awesome. I, I've, it's such a great conversation for sure. Well, I appreciate awesome you coming on, man. And it, you, you gotta you gotta tease them a little bit, man, because then we can just dive into the deeper stuff later on. But now all the listeners have a basic understanding; they know who you are. So it just gives us the opportunity to hop back into it and uh, really dive into some stuff, and hopefully even dig even farther past the Bridgewater Triangle and uh, get you on Bizarre Encounters, all that fun stuff. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. I'm looking forward to doing a lot more with you in the future. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Like I said, thank thank you again for having me on. I can't wait to be on Bizarre Encounters as well. I think that'll be an awesome time as well. And then when I do, whenever you want to have me back, just let me know. I'll hop on. My my schedule's pretty open as far as like during the week and stuff at night. So um, yeah, just let me know whenever you have another opening. We can... I'll hop back on. We'll talk about Bridgewater Triangle, wherever else with the conversation leads. But yeah, man, can't thank you enough. It's been an awesome conversation. Absolutely, man. Look, really looking forward to it. But before you end up uh, closing out on the show today, of course, I always like to do words of wisdom from the guests, the listeners. So if there's any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be? I would say my word of wisdom is if you want to start anything it doesn't have to be a podcast or content whatever it is if you have some sort of side project that you're like oh man i'd really like to do this thing just do it life's too short to be you know just work your normal job and go home and sit on the couch and watch tv and i mean not to say that tv's bad i love watching tv and sitting on the couch i think it's really awesome but you know if there's something out there you want to do you want to travel you want to you know you've always wanted to do something just do it life's too short to just sit around and do nothing so Get out there and do it. I feel like a lot of people, I feel like most people just kind of get by in life. But I feel like if even if you just try a little bit harder than the average person, um, a lot can come out of that. So, I mean, somebody really my, wants to do something and they rationalize why they can't do it. Rather than rationalizing why you can't do it, maybe you should trick your mind and start rationalizing you why know. you can't do it. Stop giving yourself reasons to not do it and give yourself reasons why you should do it. That's right. Exactly. Couldn't mm-hmm. have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, since this was such an awesome conversation and we we're talking about uh, promoting our work, of course, getting some more people to come and check it out and make it so that eventually both of us can do this full time. Uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can come and find you and uh, where they might be able to come in contact with you if they might want to share some of their strange Bridgewater's triangle stories. Sure. Absolutely. So you can follow me on all my social medias. That's at exploring with Phil, Phil with two L's, except for Twitter. That's exploring underscore Phil, exploring with Phil wouldn't fit or something. I don't don't know. Twitter's the only one that's like that. I don't know why, but Twitter's, that's my only complaint with Twitter that I couldn't fit exploring with Phil in there. But yeah, so exploring with Phil on all my social medias minus Twitter. And then my YouTube channel is Canadian Dutch Boy Studios. Um, yeah, also you could probably find me if you just search exploring with Phil, but like I said, weekly video, 7 PM, every single Thursday, somewhere new, either exploring or paranormal. Like I said, mostly Bridgewater triangle, but this week, well, actually, I don't know when this is coming up. So actually probably a couple weeks ago, um, I, I've been to the Ponce de Leon lighthouse in Florida. I've been to Gettysburg recently, obviously Huckamuck swamp, a bunch of different places. And I'm always going new places soon in the next month or so. I'll be doing a live investigation at the Freetown State Forest. First time I'm going to be able to do that. So that should be interesting. That's kind of what's coming down the pipe. So that's I guess that's pretty much all my social medias and stuff. A lot of killer content, man. Can't wait to see what you uh, end up putting out in the next couple weeks. And uh, of course, for all the listeners to make it quick and easy, I'll include all of your information down in the show description so people won't have to totally search it. They can go down there, find it quick and easy, and I have to question whether or not they found the right profile. <laughs> 
<laughs> the worst. <laughs> but again, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of the weird experiences and all of the awesome stuff that you've gotten to dig into. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it through word of mouth with a friend. And also, if you haven't already, don't forget to leave a review or a rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And if you guys leave a review for the show on iTunes, of course, I will read it on the show and give you guys a shout out. If you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, you guys can get a hold of me through Instagram or you can email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com or you can go to the link tree, fill the submission form, and that will go directly to my email. Uh, make sure you guys check your spam and junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed. Because more often than not, it seems like a lot of the emails that I send out tend to go in that direction. So make sure nothing gets missed because I want to talk to you. Everything that I mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash increase of our reality podcast or available down in the show description. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.